She sat quietly, waiting to be seen in the doctor's office, looking down at her nail polish. The doctor knocked on the door and walked in. Hi, Mr. Smith. How are you doing today? She half smiled and said, Hi, my name is Jane, and my preferred pronouns are she, her. I'm here because I'm having pain down there. The doctor shuffled his papers confused. Oh, uh, Mr. I mean, Miss Smith, um, have you, well, what are your symptoms? She continued looking down and started to try to explain her symptoms, but she grew hesitant. Will this doctor understand where she's coming from? Will he know what questions to ask? And she even questioned if she should have even come in for an evaluation in the first place. Welcome to The Hurt by Dr. Mira Kirpaker and Dr. Alopi Patel. We are the female pain docs. This is a platform to contribute to the public discourse on women's pain and general health. We are here to empower women and men to engage in the advancement of their health with discussions of evidence-based medicine, unconventional topics, lifestyle modifications, and more. The views contained in this podcast are our personal views and do not represent the views of our institutions. This does not substitute medical advice. Please be evaluated by a physician if necessary. Welcome back to another episode. Today, we're going to talk about something that is so rarely talked about, even less so than chronic pain in women. It's pain in the transgender population. Now, before we begin, we want to emphasize that the field of transgender medicine is evolving rapidly. The management and treatment of various conditions, including chronic pain, can be challenging in this population for various reasons, and of which many factors can play a role. This actually goes back to the biopsychosocial model we talked about in earlier episodes, which incorporates the fact that biological, psychological, and social factors can play a role in chronic pain. There are many reasons that the pain is worse in this population, and it's often a combination of many different factors. So biologically speaking, hormones can play a role, including hormonal therapies, whether in the form of testosterone or estrogen, and this includes the emotionally painful reality of menstruation in transgender men, which can also be psychologically distressing. It also includes other psychological factors such as anxiety, depression, stress, substance abuse disorder, and more. And lastly, social factors, which can play just as strong of a role. So lack of social and societal support and perhaps even physical and emotional trauma can play a pretty strong role in chronic pain. And this is unfortunately a harsh reality for many transgender people in society. And we wanted to shed some light on it in today's episode. Right. And before we get into more details, we know many of our listeners enjoy the historical context of topics. So let's get into that a little bit. So for centuries, people have struggled with gender identity without any medical or social support. And it wasn't until 1918 when German physician Magnus Hirschfeld coined the term transvestite at the Institute for Sexual Science as an official term to acknowledge people who wish to express their gender differently. He's one of the first physicians to acknowledge transgender healthcare. He defined transvesticism as a desire to express one's gender in opposition of their defined sex. And even though we have come a long way since then, this was really like a gateway for transgender medicine. He was also one of the first physicians to offer patients the means to achieve sex change through hormones and even sex change operations. In an era where medicine aimed to, quote-unquote, cure, 
transgender patients, Hirschfeld supported them. Now, unfortunately, much of his work was destroyed by the Nazis in the 1930s, and he was violently beaten and ultimately exiled from Germany for his contemporary work. Thanks to Dr. Hirschfeld, the foundation was set to acknowledge and help transgender people in medicine. Now, we've come a long way since then, but we still have a long way to go. A recent Gallup poll in February of 2021 reported that 5.6% of U.S. adults identified as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender, otherwise referred to as LGBT. Now, of this population, 0.6% identified as transgender. Now, that may seem like a small number, but with a population of over 330 million, that number actually comes out to be almost 2 million people. That's a huge number of people when you think about it. And traditional medicine is still catching up with how to support the transgender population. So now, as Dr. P mentioned, this is a huge area of medicine that a lot is still not known about and is still being researched. So to give the topic the time and justice it needs will honestly be nearly impossible in one podcast episode. We want to do our best to shed light on it and to create awareness for transgender medicine. So to simplify this episode, we'll give you a general breakdown of what types of pain conditions can be present, as well as post-operative pain after gender affirmation surgery. But first, let's start with how to actually, as a society, support transgender people. Now, unfortunately, there's still a lot of barriers that exist that prevent transgender patients from getting the appropriate care they need, including for pain conditions. So this includes in the healthcare setting. There's been research that showed that even perceived homophobia or transphobia can cause avoidance of healthcare settings by transgender patients. Which makes sense because if you feel like your doctor is not sympathetic to you or is outright discriminatory, you're not going to seek help. And this likely causes additional stress to the patient. This can even cause or worsen mental health conditions and substance use disorders, both of which are already more prevalent in this population. And this patient population also has a huge increase in the risk of depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, and even suicide attempts. And as we've said before, Change starts with awareness. How can we as a society and as healthcare professionals help? There are actually so many barriers for transgender patients to get help. So how can we lower some of these barriers and even encourage patients to seek out healthcare? Now, in healthcare, the key to this is to increase awareness with medical education and training. During our own medical training even, I'll be honest, transgender medicine was rarely if ever discussed. But times are changing and more medical schools and healthcare professionals are addressing these gaps in knowledge, which can lead to improved healthcare access and improvement in care for patients. Now, as members of society, we can encourage conversation by having open and genuine dialogue. Ask questions, listen, and hear what our fellow members of society are trying to express. Dr. K and I really try our best to just listen and then act upon the changes that are needed. As a society, we can even use the appropriate gender pronouns, help support transgender-friendly policies at work, and even at the local government level. Attend a transgender support group. Encourage fair treatment of transgender people if you notice bias, and so much more. And we hope today's episode also plays a part in creating the support and awareness. Absolutely. There's so much that we can do as a society. 
So let's talk about some of the pain conditions we see in the transgender population. Now, like we said earlier, this is a really big topic, but there are you know, more nuances to address in the transgender population. So let's start with overall pain conditions and then move on to post-operative pain, basically pain after surgery. So not much research exists about the exact rates of chronic pain amongst transgender individuals, you know, which isn't really surprising since we mentioned that there's still a lack of research done, but we do know that they are present and they often go undiagnosed. So one such pain condition is fibromyalgia, which we had a whole episode on last season, so if you want to check that out. So fibromyalgia is a widespread musculoskeletal pain condition, so it affects the muscles, bones, and nerves, that can also result in fatigue, sleep, memory, and mood issues. So many transgender people who truly have this condition don't even realize it because finding appropriate medical care may already be challenging. So finding treatment for the medical conditions is just that much harder. And that automatically can lead to anxiety, depression, and substance use. And there begins that vicious cycle. So pain can cause mental health conditions, and mental health conditions can worsen pain. Yes, and actually same goes for pelvic pain. Pelvic pain can occur in both transgender men and women. And this can even be before gender affirmation surgery and perhaps even after. The approach to evaluating the pain can be complex depending on if there have been anatomical changes to the pelvis. But the workup remains the same, assessing for urological, gynecologic, gastrointestinal, musculoskeletal, and psychological factors in the pain. Oftentimes, the pain may actually be multifactorial in nature, meaning due to a lot of different causes. So it can be a delicate interplay of many different factors, again, based on the biopsychosocial model of pain. And certain specific medical causes of pelvic pain may include actual pathologies such as interstitial cystitis, otherwise known as painful bladder syndrome, as well as muscular pain and even irritable bowel syndrome. There may be many other causes as well, but these are just a few. And I want to mention a few rarely known causes that we, often even as medical professionals, may not even recognize. So gender-affirming modifications may be performed for a transgender person to feel more feminine or masculine. So for example, breast binding, something that sounds like it'd be pretty harmless, but breast binding may be performed via either elastic bandages, compression wear or even actual binders designed for this purpose. So many people may do this daily or rarely, but either way, it can cause pain and even potential tissue or muscle damage to the torso. And depending on how severe that binding is, it can also cause respiratory problems like shortness of breath, changes in your posture, wasting and breakdown of the muscle, and even rib fractures. And these are all sources of pain that can further cause emotional distress and also an important aspect of transgender medicine for healthcare professionals to identify. And another physical modification that can result in pain is called tucking. Tucking is the practice of moving the testicles upwards and the penis and scrotum to the back to allow for a smooth contour of the groin. And this can allow the person to wear tight-fitting underwear and tight clothes in general. But in some cases, Even adhesive tape or even duct tape is used to help contour the area. Now, this can actually cause some real issues. This can result in trauma to the urinary tract and cause something called urinary tract infection or UTI, as well as pain in the testicles and decreased firm motility. Now, as Dr. K mentioned, this can be quite physically and emotionally distressing. 
but can help with gender affirmation for the individual. We hope these conversations shed some light on this important topic, and so you can also support our transgender friends. And lastly, let's talk about the types of modification surgeries as well as gender affirmation surgery. So people may choose to modify their bodies to match their gender identity, whether it's through minor physical modifications like injections or through more extensive modification like surgery. Now, there are a few different types of surgeries that may be done to give transgender patients a body that matches their gender identity. This may involve procedures on the face to make it more masculine or feminine via facial reconstructive surgery. It can be via chest surgery to either remove breast tissue for a masculine appearance or increase breast size for a more feminine appearance. And lastly, which is the most invasive, is genital surgery, which is used to transform and reconstruct genitalia to align with the person's gender identity. Now, these three I just mentioned are for outward appearances to match the preferred gender, but then there are also surgeries available such as a hysterectomy or ophorectomy, which remove the uterus and ovaries to allow a transgender man to avoid menstruation and pregnancy. So, you know, as you can see, there's various levels to these surgeries and it can get more and more invasive and that can result in potential issues including pain afterwards. And like Dr. K mentioned, any surgical intervention can be accompanied by acute pain, but also with chronic pain. So some of these may manifest immediately or over time. Now, as you may recall from our previous episodes, as pain physicians, we classify pain generally as coming from tissue, nerves, or bones. This is also similar for post-surgical pain. Pain can come from rearranged muscles or tissues, as well as nerves. We call this myofascial pain, meaning coming from the muscles, and then neuropathic pain, meaning coming from the nerves. With any pelvic surgery in general, there's always a risk of post-surgical adhesions, which is basically the formation of scar tissue, causing myofascial, meaning muscular, pelvic pain, as well as potentially neuropathic pain, coming from irritation or entrapment of surrounding nerves, including the pudendal nerve. And in fact, we talked about pudendal neuralgia in our last season, which was an entire episode dedicated to the diagnosis and treatment of pelvic pain coming from the pudendal nerve, and it's actually more common than people think. So definitely check that out, but also consider that for some of the reasons that people may have pain after gender affirmation surgery. And thankfully, we actually do have many options to treat and manage this pain. Yes, and these can include pelvic floor physical therapy, which is often the most important part of the treatment in most pelvic pain conditions. And with pelvic physical therapy, we also recommend, you know, stretching and exercises to work on your posture to adapt to the new surgical changes. And we also make sure that you have the appropriate medications for any acute inflammation or muscle tension. And lastly, we can also offer injections for various muscle and nerve pain if we may think it'll help. So even though you may develop post-operative pain, there are still many options available to treat this pain, and it's really best to find a physician that recognizes and can appropriately treat the pain. Yes, and you know, I also want to just add lifestyle modifications. You know, since we are focusing on lifestyle medicine aspects throughout this season as well, there are actually many lifestyle medicine interventions you can incorporate into actually any pain condition, including for post-gender affirmation surgery pain. So. A quick reminder that lifestyle factors can include exercise, sleep, nutrition, managing toxic substances like smoking or alcohol and drugs, as well as stress management and social support. 
We address some of these modifications this season, and we will also be covering them in future seasons. So definitely listen to those episodes because lifestyle modifications can be applied to anyone. So your physician and your physical therapist may actually suggest that you incorporate some of these into your post-op plan, meaning gentle aerobic exercise, anti-inflammatory diet, high fiber diet to treat chronic constipation, which may worsen pain as well, limiting tobacco and alcohol, suggest cognitive behavioral therapy, and other stress reduction therapies, as well as proper sleep hygiene. And of course, having a good social support system is vital in all types of pain, but especially for such an emotional period of people's lives, such as after gender affirmation surgery. Absolutely. And honestly, some of my favorite surgeries to provide anesthesia for have been gender affirmation surgeries because the patients are just so emotional and excited to finally be able to have their body reflect who they are on the outside with who they are on the inside. And so empathy and just listening can go such a long way during this really emotional time. So we hope this episode was helpful to not just transgender people, but to their family and friends who hope to help and support them throughout this emotional process. So our intention for this episode was most importantly to create awareness for this often overlooked population that just have high rates of chronic pain and often minimal support. Dr. P and I just want to say that we are allies in this cause. So thank you so much for joining and we'll see you next time. We would love to hear your thoughts. Visit our Instagram at the female pain docs for more content. Send us an email at thefemalepaindocs at gmail if you have any topics in particular you would like us to discuss. You can also visit our website at www.thefemalepaindocs.com. See you next time.